Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now, please enjoy this message. It's called Mercy Culture. Uh, I grew up in, uh, in a church in California called Praise Chapel. God moved my wife and I here to Mercy Culture. And uh, God has just been doing crazy things in our life over the last couple years. We moved here last year in August. And uh, it's just been, it feels like it was five minutes. And with me today is one of the pastors from our church. His name is Abe Smith. He's down here in the front. And uh, we just, we have a strong culture of honor. And uh, he just said, I want to come serve you. But I feel like he's going to end up doing a lot more damage than what he thought spiritually as we move in this service. Um, Just having him here has really given me a boost of energy. And I hope I preach better for it. I hope I do good. So, with that being said, you guys ready to go? You guys ready to watch the Cowboys? Or who's your team? Cowboy Green Bay? All right, let's go. Don't judge me. I'm a 49er fan. Let's get that out of the way really quick. So you guys just get it out of the way. Get it out of your heart. So it's funny. I'm going to start with this story because I was just thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about, like, right now my wife and I are, like, in the holidays. And the Lord just put this on my heart. I have no idea if it means anything to this sermon, but he'll correct me later or Abe will on the way home. Um, but, but I was thinking, like, man, right now, I used to love to go to the store to buy toys during Christmas. We'd be with my parents. We'd go shopping. And I just loved being in the hustle and bustle. Now, what do we do? Everyone buys stuff on the Internet. No one goes to the store. We went to Target the other day, and it's, like, not even Thanksgiving. And there's, like, tons of people. And I'm like, no way. I want to go home. But it struck me. I said, I'm afraid to buy toys and stuff for my kids online. And you know what it was? I'm damaged from when I was a kid. When you would see, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember Transformers, but when you would see the commercial, like you got this idea that like Transformers, when you got them, they were this big, they were like the best thing, and it was like crazy, you can like really walk with it, and it was just this amazing thing, and then when you got it home, it was something completely different. We've all bought something on eBay or on Amazon, and you're like, this is not like what it said, and I come with this small little pre-message to the message I wonder if the world today is ready to give Christianity a chance. I wonder if the world is saying, you know what, I think I'm going to try that because I've tried everything else that there is to try. There's this, I, I've done this. I've, I, I've done meditation. I've gone to this type of thing. And then when they get us home, we're not all that they expected it to be. I wonder if there's Christians that say, man, I, I, I just want to live better so that I can look at people in their eyes and say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But the problem is, is that a lot of us have, have been really bad window dressing for the gospel. Which means when people get us home, they says, yeah, that looks good in the mirror. But when I take them home, it's not everything I thought it was because they're not living the way they should live. I'm out of breath. I just pray today that somebody in this place will just get a hold of that thought and say, man, we sung the song. And God, I don't want it to just be a song that I want to be where you are. But we, we have become obsessed with being where God is, where the presence of God is. My pastor says he's planting a tremendous church in Fort Worth. But he says if the Holy Spirit is not there, I don't want to be a part of it. And I'm in the same boat because I've spent my life, tons of my life, searching for different things and going to this movement, chasing movements. And all God is looking for is a man to move and say, I want to come closer to you. I want to know who you are more. No matter how old I get, I haven't arrived, but I just want to be closer to God. Oh, man. I'm ready. Let's turn our Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to be reading out a New Living Translation. Don't judge me. I got some for the New King James people and for the NIV people. 
Exodus chapter 3, verse 2 through 12. 12 verses. This is probably a lot for some of you guys, but we're all a work in progress. It says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the blazing fire and from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Say amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why is this bush, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming close uh, to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses. Notice in this part right here that when the, the, when the uh, presence of God begins to move, Moses begins to lean in. So most of us, we can get into an atmosphere and say, well, that's cool. I, I, I'm part of it. I can feel the presence of God. But then there's, there, there's times where we're like, I just want to be a part of it. But then there's some people that say, I'm going to choose to lean into that and see what God is really trying to get a hold of me for. You saw there's times in my life, I was talking to Pastor Abe on the way here, that there were moments when I was just a lean in away from maybe God changing everything about my life. And he's so good that I say, man, I'm glad I learned that in that season. But Moses is here. You know what's going to happen? God's going to move in this church. And God's going to bring people from all over the world. Are they going to be amazed at what man is doing? Are they going to be amazed at what God is doing in this place through the men? Moses says, here I am. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hippites, no, Hittites, not Hippoites, Amorites, Parasites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of my people of Israel has reached me. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go. Say, now go. For I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people of uh, Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, very important words. I will be with you. Most of us forget that part. God calls us to go somewhere. God's like, I will be with you. Exodus chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. And he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. See, the enemy says, I need to stop them, not because of where they are, but where they're going. And lastly, Hebrews chapter 11. I read all my scriptures up front, but you guys are worried. You don't have to ever go back, put your phone down, pay attention to the word. Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith. I want to emphasize that word, by faith. By faith. I, uh, we talked about faith on the way up here. And Pastor David said, faith pleases the Lord. So simple, yet so profound. We forget that part. Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw. Notice by faith they saw. By faith, they saw that he was no ordinary child. See, we walk by faith and not by sight, but if we're not careful, we begin to see things in the natural eye. We begin to see how things have manifested, and we forget to see by faith. In this, in this passage here, it says, by faith, they saw that he was no ordinary child. I call this sermon, if you're taking notes, the journey of your destiny. 
And I say journey because when we think of the destiny, we only think about the destination. We think about our car, our job, where we're at, our house that we currently own. We always think about the current situation that we're in. This is my journey. This is where I've gone. And we only think of journey as the manifestation of the promise. We only think like, and, and some of us were like, if, if I don't have it now, then it must not be in the cards for me. This is the cards I've been dealt. This is the life I've been given. This is all there is. And in sometimes, and in fact, many times, the journey is a lot more important than the destination. The journey that God takes us on is a lot more important than the place where he's trying to get us to. Because if you get to where God wants you to get, but you don't become who he wants you to become, you could squander the promise that he gave you. Many times I've sat in, in a place and I said, I know I'm exactly where God wants me to be, but I could be way better because I know that I didn't get what he wanted me to get in the last season I was in. What is it that God is saying to you right now? One thing I learned is this. A few sacrifices in the eyes of men can elevate you to a certain point. But elevation coupled with wholeness to sustain you only comes from God. You can get to a place and you'll get to a place where you don't belong and sooner or later you'll be found out. Sooner or later something will happen. You'll say, oh, I don't belong here. I need to take a step down. That's not how God works. It's always stepping forward. It's always moving forward. It's always something. You're always growing. Uh, my pastor always says healthy things grow. But you'll get to that place. And what's the only thing that's going to keep you is that elevation, God putting you there with the wholeness to sustain you. Everything that you need to keep you there is found in him. So God takes Moses on a journey. Can I open my water? And all of us are on a journey. No matter your age, no matter where you're at in life, no matter if you're young, you feel young, you feel old. I'm about to be 40. And uh, thank you. I know, some, I know what you're thinking, like Jesus says. He knew their thoughts. I know what you're thinking. I knew you're thinking, I don't look 40. But uh, we moved to Texas, and I didn't think, a lot was going to change. I said, we're going to go join this church, and it's going to be church. It's all I've ever done is church, and I know how to do church. I know how to put the smile. I know how to, you know, be aggressive, and I knew how to do everything. And God moves us here to Texas, and everything changes. And he says that their journey is not over. See, sometimes um, I, I begin to think, um, how many of you guys like to people watch? People watch. Just people watch. I'm a people watcher. Not creep, but people watcher. I, I, I love to just sit, like I love to just go to a park, like I'm a processor where I have to see movement, so I like to just see people moving, and since I, I love the fashion industry, don't judge me, preacher sneakers, shout out for them, but I, I just love to sit there, and I watch people, and I can sit in the park, and I used to love to do it in Central Park, because you see all types of people when you're in New York, Central Park, different walks of life, I like watching homeless people, how they maneuver through life, and trying to see where you can fit in and help, I like watching elderly people, they always have the best shoes, because they're always so comfortable, but I began to think one time when I was people watching, and I began to think what separates us from every other living creature. You see a bird, and then you'll see a human, and I'm just like, what separates? I'm not a deep thinker at all. I just like, you know, I'm very surface. I'm not deep. But I began to, th I think that was the Holy Spirit that put that in me, to begin to think that way. And when I came to the realization that what separates us from every living creature, from everything that has life on this earth, is that... We can take something from the invisible and we can make it visible. That as human beings, we can live in this Acts chapter 2 reality that we can have dreams and we can see visions. And if we walk towards something with the amount of, with, with just fervor, and if you walk toward us, I see that, we can bring that thing to life. 
That there's a dream in your heart, if there's a vision that God gave you, you stay in it long enough and you push towards it long enough, you'll eventually see that thing happen. See, right now, I want you to know that you're sitting in a vision. If you, you guys really know the story of this church, you're sitting in a, in a vision right now. Someone walked, drove by this church one day and said, man, we'd love that to be our church building. We'd love our church to have, have a fellowship in that building right there. And guess where you're sitting? In someone's vision, in a dream. I want you to know you're sitting in your vision right now. Some of you say, I don't like where I'm at. Well, maybe you should change what you see. You change what you see, you'll begin to see. You align it with what God says over your life, and now you're living in your vision. And now it makes sense. You say, I like the way this looks. During the grand opening of Disney World in Orlando, Florida, I mean, you guys know this story. A friend of Lillian Disney, Walt's widow, leaned over to her husband, uh, leaned over to her and said, it's such a shame that Walt never saw this. To which Lillian Disney responded, he did see this, and that's why we're here. You guys are sitting in the vision right now. Someone saw this in the spirit. You know, it has to be over in your spirit before it can be over in reality. When Elisha spoke to the king in 2 Kings chapter 2, he, he, he steps up before the lepers move forward and, and get everything in the city. He steps up before the king and says, the famine is over. You know why in that moment it was over? Because it was over in the spirit before it was over in the flesh. You're living in your vision right now. Hebrews chapter 11, Moses' his parents Bible says that they saw something in their child. I want to submit to you that maybe Moses wasn't more special than anyone in that generation. You see, I've read scripture like that sometimes over my life, and I said, see, right there, that tells you he was born different. And maybe that's the case for, some of the, for most of the scripture that's written. But in that case, the Bible doesn't commend Moses' faith, but it commends the faith of his parents. It says, by faith his parents saw. So I want, to, I want to submit to you, what do you see when you see your family? What do you see when you see your children that aren't serving God? What do you see when you see your city? The faith was on merit. It says that they, by faith they saw. What are you seeing by faith right now? What sickness is making you think, I don't have the faith for that? What do you see when you look at your family and your children and reclaim church and the future of this city. See, if we're not careful, we'll only be able to see in the natural and we'll miss everything God is trying to show us. We'll say, this is it. This is all we got. This is all we got. This is all I'm ever going to get. Man, I'm preaching to you my life sermon. I'm going to cry. I already know it. Don't text my wife. Just, it, it happens every time. You're looking at somebody who spent the, last, the years of my life being intimidated by everything I stepped into. God called me and said, no, I can't do it. I got to run. So one day I just stood up and said, I'm just going to stop running from everything I'm called to, and I'm going to run to everything that brings me fear. Am I going to be afraid to do it? Yes, but I'm going to do it anyway. You just sometimes faith doesn't mean void of fear. You step into it and say, God, I don't, don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to step out on the ledge with you. By faith they saw. See, what separates us is that we see differently than the world. I begin to see different. I remember God showed me, uh, uh, we're moving to New York. I just remember saying, God, I don't know what it looks like. For those of you guys who know, don't know, my, pa my wife and I went to go pastor a church in New York City, and it was the craziest three years of our life. But I remember when we were going to New York, we went and we just stepped out. 
we, it's, you know those moments where you just are forced to step out on the water and God's like, you need to just do this and there's no other choice. And we did it and we're walking and we're saying, okay, wow, we're doing it. Like, you ever seen a kid that has the floaty on and then they realize that they can swim, but they don't know the floaty's helping them. They just think they got it. That's what happened to us. And we stepped out and we did it. I just, I remember that faith like it was yesterday when God says, you're not going to know everything. You're not, you're going to have to learn to trust us. And even now in this season that we're in, we're saying, we don't still know everything. We don't have it together. And God's saying, I still am calling you to trust. The Bible says that in Exodus, his mother places him in the river. I love this because you don't see the parallel sometimes. But see, wherever the river flows, there is life. So I look at the river like the Holy Spirit. And the, when, when, the, when I get a word from God, I give it right back to him and say, here, put it in the river. Take it to the Holy Ghost and let him walk me through this thing. Here, here's, my, here's the word that I got. Holy Spirit, I'm giving it back to you. Now you hold my hand and show me how to get to where I'm going. There is life. I believe that if it's from God, it will, be, it will be revealed in the right time. The promise will take place. It says, by faith they saw. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to pull greatness out of you, not just speak it over. There's a few of you guys, as I walked in the building, this happens every time I minister somewhere. It could be one or 50 people. God always points out people in, in, the, in the church. I said, that's for them. And when Pastor Mike called me, this word jumped in my spirit. I, I, I immediately saw faith. I immediately saw that. I said, I'll do it. Because I knew that there was going to be someone here that was going to need that word that was going to be pushed into their destiny. And it's about faith being able to see what God wants to do in your life. It's by faith. Trust me, God's pushing me at 40 years old into an industry I had given up on years ago. He's forcing me into it. Because he knew that he planted that seed years ago. I just didn't see it by faith. Exodus chapter 1. You don't have to turn there. But we read the story. The enemy gets this unholy hunch. He says, I need to stop them lest they multiply. Think this, let's think in the context of your church and what's happening here. He says, I need to stop them lest they multiply. See, Pharaoh attacked the Israelites not because of who they currently were. He attacked them because of what they were going to become. It's an unholy hunch that the enemy gets. He attacked their potential. He attacked because of who they were becoming. How many of you guys are under attack right now? Everybody's hands were lifted. Everybody, we're all under attack all the time. I, when I walked in the door, the Lord said, there's someone in here that just this week said, I'm about to give up. I don't have to call you out because he didn't reveal who it was. But I pray as we, as we minister tonight, today that somebody will come up and we'll just begin to pray and make sure that we leave differently than when we came. And the reason why I ask who's under attack, because God forbid the devil has more faith in your potential than you do. You see, he attacked because of who they were, who they were becoming. God forbid he has more faith in your kids than you do. God forbid he has more faith in what might happen in this city than you do, so he's going to bring every onslaught from hell to stop it from happening because he has an unholy hunch. Don't get me wrong, he doesn't know your future, but he does know how to stop you. If you don't see by faith. See, if you're going through hell right now, and many times I've sat in church and I've been going through it, and someone says, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. It, it's, everything's good. And then you go home, you're like, oh. I should have said something because I'm going through hell right now and I don't know how to respond. Trust me, the enemy knows you're about to multiply. So everything starts to feel 
heavier. Everything starts to feel like if it's just like overcoming and overbearing, you can't handle it. It's because he knows you're about to multiply. Many of you guys are stuck in the Polaroid picture of life. You know, the, remember the Polaroids? Am I too old? But you remember, you spent more time trying to get it to, so you can see what's happening and it comes out blurry anyways. And God says, I just wish you would just take your eyes off that Polaroid because there's a big motion picture about your whole life. And if you just stop looking at that one moment where you failed, if you stop looking at that one season where you couldn't make it, there's a place where you move forward and you have victory. Man, I wish I just had a handful of people, maybe just one for mercy culture that will believe that you're about to walk into the greatest season of faith. That you're, that you're about to walk into the greatest season of service, of honor, of strength, of favor, of prayer, of revival. And you're going to say, I just want more. I'm about to walk into this. I don't see it yet, but I'm about to walk into it. Am I ministering to anybody? Maybe just me. Someone told me one time, only heaven knows your future. See, that for me at the time when I heard that, that was game-changing because I thought that the enemy knew every choice I was making and he was going to meet me. He was going to meet me there because it was going to land in failure. I'm very broken. I, I preach very differently. There's some guys that are really awesome and they look really cool and they do the whole thing. I, I just preach from what I've learned in my life. And it's constantly walking through seasons where I was doubting myself before I even started. And then the devil messed up and he let me hear something about faith. He let me hear a message on that I can see something and I could begin to walk in the direction of something and it changed how I looked at everything. You see, the attack didn't work on Moses or the early church and it's not going to work on you or your family. Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it, in, carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. How many of you guys know that at the time where Moses encounters the bush that he was on a 40-year rebellion? And the Lord, as I, was, as I was putting this together, the Lord says, you need to remind someone that don't worry, their kids are going to serve God. Forty years, he's out there. And, and, and this is such a great picture of how God calls us. It's usually in a moment when we feel like we have nothing left. It's usually in a moment where we say, this is it, this is all I'm giving, this is all I have. And it's a moment where there's, there's just feels like there's no hope. And I want to give you three things. I'm almost halfway done. What time do you guys usually end? You don't have a timer up there, so I'm just going to go baptize. We're going to go four hours. <laughs> Three things that must happen in your journey. You might want to write it down because it's very simple. These three steps. I was just kidding. Just three things that's happened to me, and I believe that God wants me to pass this to you. Uh, if you guys don't like this sermon, next week there's a way better preacher. His name is Mike Hernandez. He's the pastor of this church, uh, and uh, he's going to be good. Number one is a God encounter. I was, grew up in church, and I was part of the whole thing. Um, I'm not saying that church taught me how to be fake, but I figured it out pretty quick how to do church. Uh, I, I, the church I grew up in, they loved God, loved everything, but I learned pretty quickly how to make it all happen without it really happening. And I didn't really have a real God encounter until I was about 22 years old. And guess what? I was drunk out of my mind when it happened. I remember just being, like, so wasted, and I was... We, my, my friends and I were, were part of this big fight. It wasn't a gang fight, although I am Mexican and I do have that side. Um, I'm a thug. But 
it was this big fight. And I just remember running down this alley and I just felt the presence of God so thick. Like I was like, whoa, what the heck is it? And I fell to my knees. And it might have been because I had a lot of alcohol in my system. But I began to cry out to God. And I remember the Lord saying, I did not call you for this. It was like the loudest voice ever. That was my burning bush moment. There was a lot of bushes around too. I remember the alley was real bushy. And I remember that in that moment I said, I'm going to dedicate my life. Because I had grown up in church now. This is, I had already left the faith. I was, already, I was serving the enemy. And I remember in that moment saying, I, from now on, my life is going to be dedicated to make sure that people have that moment. Of saying, man, I, I know what it feels like. I know what it looks like. I've seen it from afar. But when God begins to move, I'm going to lean in and I'm going to encounter God. It's a burning bush encounter. See, it's not until I know who God is that I find myself. There, there's many, like nowadays, there's so many separatist movements. You can create any type of movement and you can get a following. I guarantee. You go on, you create a social media page. You, you, can, you can do anything. And if you just sound believable for a moment, you'll get some followers. You'll get some people to follow that. See, what it means to follow Jesus is a lot different than what it used to mean. Before it meant your life. Now it's like, you know, Jesus, he made me mad. I'm going to unfollow him. Let me hit the unfollow button on Jesus. It's very different now. See, the problem is that people struggle because they don't know who created them. Your identity doesn't come from a, a doesn't come from anything else, but you look to the one who created you, and you can find who you are in that. You, someone that didn't create me can't tell me about me. And so you're getting all these different all these different avenues of people trying to tell you who you are, but yet you're you're neglecting the one, the creator of you, who can give you the answer. There's a church in, in L.A. that popped up that all these business people from entertainment industry, from all over, musicians. I don't know if you guys know who Judah Smith is. Uh, Pastor Abe's from Seattle area, so he knows. Well, Judah Smith started this. It was like a little hidden for the entertainment industry. It was in L.A. They had it like at a hotel. It was very exclusive, and it was so that those, that group of people can feel comfortable hearing the word of God. In the first sermon that he gets up there, this happened like a year, year ago, two years ago. He gets up there and says, all you guys are here because you're searching. All you guys are here because of one thing. In everything that you've achieved in your life, there's still one thing missing. And that sounds like a, not a revelation to someone who grew up in church, but to a bunch of people who thought they had everything. To realize that they really had nothing was everything to them. And they began to have revival. People started coming. And I believe that you're seeing today in the entertainment industry through Kanye West is because of those types of meetings. Because seeds begin to flow in those meetings and he had connections to that. So you're seeing a lot of that happen. But see, these people need to know that there's nothing else out there that can define you but the one who created you. The Bible says that we all are seeking that purpose. It says that he put eternity in our hearts. There's only one thing that can satisfy that, and that's getting to the one who is eternal. That's getting close to the one that created us that said, this is who you are. I've always been searching everything. I had identity crisis like you wouldn't believe. I tried to be this person. I tried to be that person, never myself. But when I found God, I found who I was. And this generation more than ever needs to find out who they are. They need Christians walking around saying, I know who I am. I know who created me. And I know exactly where I'm going. We have eternity in our hearts. So we have everything. And if we don't have Jesus, like Alicia Key says, we don't have nothing. You guys are quiet. You're real quiet. Can I get like a boo or something like a throw a donut at me or something? It's important that God tells Moses 
about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in this passage. It's so important because God always reminds us of who we are. He, he didn't show up and say, he says, Moses, Moses. He didn't show up and say, murderer, murderer, failure, failure. See, the enemy used to talk to me that way, and I would listen and say, God, you're being harsh. And it wasn't even God listening to the wrong thing. He says, I'm bringing you back, and here your, here's your lineage, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because he's reminding them of who he is. He's part of something greater. See, you're part of something greater than just reclaimed church. That might be a hit to your pride of those of you who are building this, but there's something greater than this. And if we just give people this, that's not enough. They need people that are walking in it, that are moving in the spirit, anointed. God is bringing such a hunger today. I believe that today we're in one of the greatest moves of revival. And if we open our eyes and just begin to see it, begin to draw closer. One man said this, if we ever go away from bringing salvation to people, we may, lose, we may not lose a building, but we'll lose the call. It's okay if we lose the building. But I remember when I got saved, it wasn't a building that saved me. It wasn't a church name. It was a moment where God had no business interrupting my life when I was having a good time. And he interrupted my life and said, now's the time. And you can't deny those moments. See, the enemy always used my, my past to blame me, but God used my Holy Ghost history. As Abe was talking about, as we were, t we were driving up here, there's a legacy of faith that I carry. Last time I was here, you guys heard the story about my mom. And there's a legacy of faith that even through all that situation of me being birthed into an adult, out of adulterous relationship, that God really said, I, I want that one right there. If you can wrap your head around the fact that he saw you even before you were there, it just makes you more like, like a baby, you know, when they just want to squeeze something. I love when Pastor A prays because he's like, that, like a kid that's like, just, you want to like bite something so hard. That's how I've become with the presence of God. I am who I am today because I had an encounter with God. The Bible says that Moses stared in amazement. I love that. He stared in amazement at the bush. You know what you should want for your church? Is that when people come, that they don't stare in amazement at a great speaker. That they don't stare in amazement at the good sound system you have or everything that comes. But they come in and say, God is in this building. I just want to be closer to him. Thank you for the golf claps. I love it. Sundays is the quietest, most intense day on the golf course. He's, they're amazed at what God's doing. Oh, man. I'm ready to pray for some folk. See, when you really meet God, he'll bring you back to your purpose. God says the same way. Check this out. You know the word Moses means to draw out. And God says to Moses, he's giving these excuses. How am I supposed to, supposed to do this? And God says, the same way I drew you out of water, the same way I drew you out of that water, I'm going to use you to draw people out of Israel, I mean of Egypt. The same way I used you to draw you out of water, I'm going to use you to draw people out of bondage. God's looking for somebody who will say, I want to be that person. See, in case we forgot, we were saved to bring Jesus to people. We were saved to bring Jesus to people. I, I live for that moment. I struggle a lot with what goes on, the inner workings of church. I'm not wired that way. There's great people who are very good at that stuff. But I just love going up to people. I hate bringing up Pastor Awal all the time. But he's telling me stories on the way up here. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. 
People that just, they don't care about anything. They'll go up to somebody and just give them something. Here, have this jacket. And that, that's how I live. Not because I think I'm great, but I've been on the other side where I've been that person. And I saw people walking by and said, I just need hope in a moment. In case we forgot, we were here to bring Jesus to people. The devil knows your name, but he'll always call you by your sin. Always. Never fails. What have you done? Guaranteed he called you that this week. See, when God calls you, it's always about who you are, who he created you to be. In Joel chapter 2, it says, God says, I will restore the years. God's doing a quick work in this generation. I, I feel like I don't deserve many of the things, I, you know, like, a, like I don't deserve a lot of the stuff that he's given us now. I don't deserve to be a part of this amazing church. I don't deserve to have leaders in my life continuously pouring into me. But God says it doesn't matter what you've done because I will restore the years. Number two, you need to separate from your old life. Plain and simple, holiness is still good and still worth it today. See, I know everyone is saved in Texas. I moved to Texas. I'm originally from Los Angeles, moved to New York, and I moved to Texas, and everyone in Texas is saved. It's like, man, you're saved too. You're saved, man. Praise the Lord. This place is, is it's the best place in the world. But I want you to know that holiness right now more than ever is still right. And I believe that, that right now the children of God, and most of you guys can feel it, there is a draw to holiness like never before. We are living in a time where I feel like, man, I just, I feel this tug, this groaning. How many of you guys feel that? It's like groaning in your spirit. Like, man, I just feel like you're not living in condemnation, but there's something that is drawing you closer to get rid of more junk that we've added to our life. And God tells Moses, take off your shoes. He's telling him, separate from who you've been so that now I can bring you into all that I have for you. Who were you before? Take that off because now I'm going to show you something different. What it means to follow Jesus is very different. Holiness is not perfection. It's a decision to take off who you've been and adopt the new nature. I like to put it this way. Holiness is giving God the thing he's asking for when he asks for it. Give me that lust. Give me that gossip. Give me that temper. That was me. Give me that tithe. Some of you guys, give me that cheeseburger. See, one way to start doing this is start taking in. I'm going I'm to I'm tap a point on some of you guys right now that's gonna, not going to feel very good. But some of you guys... He's even calling you to take inventory on who you're surrounded by. That was the hardest thing for me. See, we make God like he's this, like such far off God. When I grew up, he was like this God, like in the clouds. And he wasn't, I didn't know, I didn't know God with us. I just knew he's there somewhere and we're praying to this far off God. And, 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 we, and we make this thing like we have such a spiritual problem. But most of it is, is relational problems, very practical I would submit that, that maybe some of you men, you're not dealing with porn, but maybe you have a relational issue that says, I need some better friends in my life that will tell me that what I'm doing is wrong. I would submit some of you ladies, you're not dealing with a gossip issue. You're just dealing with the need for a good friend to tell you, girl, you look fine. Girl, you, you don't have to think like that. You look okay. Everything's going to be all right. And when we surround ourselves with all these people that aren't doing nothing for our life, and we're saying, I'm going to be the one to bring salvation to them. It's been 10 years. They're not saved. It's time to move on. You probably say, I see the promise. This was me. I see it. I see the promises of God. I, I, can, I can see what God is doing. But I just can't keep stumbling. I can't keep I, I, I focus more on the stumble than anything. 
I, I can see it. I, I can see what God is doing. I know that I'm called to lead. I know that I'm called to preach. I know I'm, I know I'm called to all this stuff. But how do I stop doing what I'm doing now? Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue holiness. You know how to get to that point? Pursue holiness. More than ever in my life with my wife, I, I, it has a lot to do with the leadership that God has put in our life. But I'll go into my prayer closet. I never even thought about having one until I moved to Texas. And I'll go in there, and the moment I sit down, I just start crying. I just, I, I'm overwhelmed by this call to holiness. I'm overwhelmed by what God is actually trying to do in my life. If, if, if you knew the stuff that my family did and the stuff I did to myself, I say, God, why would you even want to touch this? And he begins to show me the people that he's bringing into my life to help. And it's only because I, I, I always knew that there was a promise there. But now because I have the pursuit of holiness, I know how I'm going to get to it. See, grace did not come to revoke God's call to holiness, but to implement it. We need to understand we can do it. You have a God encounter and you separate from who you are. And if I could have someone come and play, I want to talk to you about this third thing. Which is my favorite. And you can't have the first two and not be able to have this. You need to see the need. So your destiny is not just about you getting yours, but about you helping others. Your destiny is about seeing the need of your generation. What is the need of this generation? Many of us are off. I didn't know until a couple weeks ago because I just was doing my own thing that Texas is the number one state or maybe, yeah, maybe the number one state for sex trafficking in the whole United States. I didn't know that. And when it hit me, it hit me. Trust me, I was sitting in our woman's night last two weeks ago at our church. And we had a, a woman there that was a survivor of sex trafficking here in, in, in Texas. And I remember it just hit me like, and I said, man, God, how could I not see this? And I began to sit in my seat and say, how could I not see that this was happening? Because I lived to see the need of the people. I don't really care about nothing else. Ava on the way said, I don't really care about nothing. I said, me too. I don't care about nothing. I don't care that I'm crying right now either. Because if I don't live to see the need of the people, none of it matters. Because we look at it and God doesn't show us need so that we can say, okay, God, fix it. That's what he saved us for. We can say, God, fix it all the time. But if He, what would he need us for? He saves us so that we can see the needs of the people. He says, I've seen the oppression of my people. Now I'm calling you to go fix it. And there's many opportunities. Many of us drive by people all the time. You, how many of you guys admire those people who just do that all the time? They're just loving on folks. They're doing stuff. They're giving stuff away. You know it's possible to stop admiring it and start doing it? And how you do it is you have your encounter with God in that moment and say, now I know why I'm here. Now I know why I'm living. This generation needs Jesus more than ever. I mean, you can, we can say that over and over and over, but if you don't see that need, uh, the Bible says, I've seen the oppression of my people and I have heard their cry. Who is crying on your behalf to help them? Who in your life is God is saying, I see the needs of your family. I hear their cry, but you don't. We need to begin to see what God sees and begin to hear what he hears. How many of you guys hear that cry? How many of you guys hear that when you walk out? Or is it just we've become so numb because we live for this moment. Sunday is church. 
Someone's going to get saved, but God is showing us people Monday through Saturday. In our destiny, we need to be able to see what God sees. I think God's heart breaks for the things of this world. People ask all the time, how could God let that happen? Well, that's because you're not praying. How could God let this happen? You know what my answer has become? And if it's people I'm very close to, well, why does God let this happen over here? It's just because our because his people have stopped praying and stopped hearing the cry. We see the need. We know what to do. We see what's going on, but the thing is, is we haven't heard the cry of the people. See, when God wants to change a city, he calls a man. When he wants to bring revival to a region, he calls a person. He calls a church and says, I want to do something through that person. If we can just believe, begin to, by faith, begin to see that he wants to use us. God says in verse 9, I love this. He says, I've come down, now go. See, many of you guys, I believe there's probably some in here that are called to the nations. There's people that say, I want to go to the nations. But, you know, 90% of us in the church today are just called to our backyard. When Jesus goes and he's there with the Gadarene, he pulls up to the Gadarene region. The man with the demons comes out. He's got all, he's got the legion of demons. Jesus casts out the demons. The whole story, we know it, right? Everybody knows the story. But my favorite part is the end. It's the very end. When it's all said and done, it says the people who were stood in amazement because it wasn't the same person. And then he tells Jesus, he tells Jesus, can I come with you? Jesus says, no, no, no. You need to go back to those people who made fun of you. We're always going to see the need. Jesus is always going to send us back to the people that we're familiar with so that we can show up and say, look, I'm different. I'm not the same. And you can have the same thing too. To see the need. Even in my 30 plus years of being in church, man, I still see the need. Driving up here down the street, you see, there's like, oh man, there's just so much for us to do. God, send more helpers. God will always partner with the church. Ezekiel 22:30. so I sought for a man. A woman, a church, a person, a child, anyone among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap for me. How many of you guys know Mother Teresa? Her. Everyone knows that she's given her whole life to serving the poor. There was a reporter, an atheist reporter from England came to her one time while she was in doing her service in Calcutta. He spent some time with her. And the reporter stands up in this moment and tells her, he says, Mother Teresa... How can you still believe in God when you see all of this? And you guys don't know, Calcutta is one of the poorest, I think it's India, right? Regions, cities in the world. Like, it's just Google it. And he says, where is God with the orphan? Where is God with the widow, with the sick, and with those in the hospital, and with the hungry? Those are valid questions. Mother Teresa looked back at him and said, sir, God is right here where the pain is. God is always close to the brokenhearted. The question is not where is God, but where are you? Where are you with the orphan, with the widow, with the prison, with the hungry? See, if sometimes if we're not careful, we'll look at our cities and say, God, where are you at? And there was, uh, how many of you guys know, uh, seen that movie, Pursuit of Happiness? There's a pursuit of holiness and God's calling. But I saw Pursuit of Happiness the other day, and there's a joke that the kid says in the movie. He says, he says Dad, there was a guy on a boat and he was drowning in the water. He was swimming in the water and he was drowning and a boat came and they said, hey, you need help? And he said, no, God's gonna take care of me. So the boat takes off. Another boat comes. They say, hey, you need help? The guy says, no, God's gonna take care of me. And that boat leaves. 
The guy ends up drowning, gets to heaven and says, God, you were supposed to save me. He says, I send you two boats, you idiot. And sometimes we look at God and say, God, where were you at? Where are you at in these moments? Where are you at in my family, in this pain, in this sickness? God's saying, where are you? You have all that you need. I've given you salvation. I've given you faith. What is it that is stopping us from seeing the need? God will never do what you can do. Never. He's never going to force himself. He's never going to do what you can do. But if you will do what you can do, God will do what you can't do. He'll say, I'll take this little bit that you've given because that's all you can do in, our, in, in us being human. That's all we can give. And he says, you've given everything you can. Now watch what I can do. But most of us, we don't get to that point where we've done all that we can do. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.